Alright, so deoxyribonucleic acid is DNA and ribonucleic acid is RNA. They're polymers with distinct roles that create molecules integral to life. So DNA is a macromolecule. It's essential to understand how this molecule is constructed. It's a polydeoxyribonucleotide that's composed of many monodeoxyribonucleotides linked together. So nucleosides are composed of a 5-carbon sugar or pentose bonded to a nitro nitrogenous base and are formed by covalently linking the base of C1 of the sugar. Note that the carbon atoms in the sugar are labeled with a prime symbol to distinguish them from the carbon atoms in the nitrogenous base. Nucleotides are formed when one or more phosphate groups are attached to the C5 prime of a nucleoside. Often these molecules are named according to the numbers of phosphate present. So adenosine, di, and triphosphate. Again, they're named from the number of phosphate groups attached to the nucleoside adenosine, and these are high-energy compounds because of the energy associated with the repulsion between closely associated negative charges on the phosphate groups. And nucleotides are the building blocks of DNA. Nucleic acids are classified according to the pentose that they contain, as shown here that I'm looking at that you can't see. Uh, if the pentose is ribose, then the nucleic acid is RNA, and if it's deoxyribose with the ribose with the 2' OH group replaced by the H, then it's DNA. And... Uh, so the bases are adenine, guanine, cytosine, and uracil, and thymine. Uh, the backbone of DNA is composed of alternating sugar and phosphate groups. It determines the directionality of DNA, and it's always read from 5' to 3'. It's formed as nucleotides are joined by 3' to 5' phosphodiester bonds. So a phosphate group links the 3' carbon of one sugar to the 5' phosphate group of the next incoming sugar in the chain. Phosphates have a negative charge, so DNA and RNA have an overall negative charge. Each strand of DNA has a distinct 5' and 3' end, creating polarity within the backbone. The 5' end will have a OH phosphate, an OH or phosphate group bonded to the C5 prime of the sugar, while the 3' end has a free OH on C3 prime of the sugar. And the base sequence is both written and read in the 5' prime to 3' prime direction, so it must be written like 5' prime ATG to 3'. Prime. Uh, they can also be written in different ways, so if you're writing them backwards, the ends must be labeled, and if the position of the phosphates may be shown, uh, and then D may be used as a shorthand for deoxyribose. DNA is gen generally double-stranded, and RNA is generally single-stranded, but there are exceptions in viruses. And there's two families of nitrogen-containing bases found in nucleotides, so purines and pyrimidines. Uh, purines have two rings in their structure. The two purines found in nucleic acids are adenine and guanine. Both are found in DNA and RNA. Pyrimidines contain only one ring in their structure. The three pyrimidines are cytosine, thymine, and uracil. Cytosine is found in both DNA and RNA. Thymine is only found in DNA and uracil, which is only found in RNA. And purines and pyrimidines are um, examples of aromatic heterocycles. The term aromatic describes any unusually stable ring system that adheres to the, full, the following four specific rules. So the compound is cyclic. The compound is planar. The compound is conjugated, so it has alternating single and multiple bonds or lone pairs creating at least one unhybridized p orbital for each atom in the ring. And the compound has 4n plus 2, where n is any integer pi electrons, which is called Huckel's rule. The most common example is benzene, um, and because of delocalization, aromatic molecules are fairly unreactive. Heterocycles are ring structures that contain at least two different elements in this ring. Uh, nucleic acids are thus imbued with exceptional stability. This helps to explain the utility of the nucleotides as molecule for storing genetic information. So the Watson-Crick model, uh, they were able to deduce the double helical nature of DNA. Two linear polynucleotide chains of DNA are wound together in a spiral orientation along a common axis, and here are the key features. So the two strands of DNA are anti-parallel, the strands that are oriented in opposite directions. When one strand has polarity 5.3' down the page, the other strand has 5.3' polarity up the page. The sugar phosphate backbone is on the outside of the helix, with the nitrogen nitrogenous bases on the inside. 
There are specific base pairing rules, which are complementary base pairing. So adenine is always base paired with thymine via two hydrogen bonds. Guanine is always paired with cytosine via three hydrogen bonds. And these three hydrogen bonds make the GC pair much stronger. And the, the hydrogen bonds and the hydrophobic interactions between bases provides stability to the double helix structure, and the base sequence on one strand defines the base sequence on the other strand. Because of specific base pairing, the amount of A equals the amount of T, and the amount of G equals the amount of T, G equals C, so total purines will be equal to total pyrimidines overall, and these are known as Charkoff's rules. The double helix of most DNA is a right-handed helix, forming what is called B-DNA. The helix in BDNA makes a turn every 3.4 nanometers and contains about 10 bases within that span. Major and minor grooves can be identified between the interlocking strands and are often the site of protein binding. Another form of DNA is called ZDNA for its zigzag appearance, so it's a left-handed helix that has a turn every 4.6 nanometers and it has 12 bases within each turn. High GC content or high salt concentration may contribute to the formation of this form of DNA, and no biological activity has been attributed to it because it's unstable and difficult to research. During processes like replication and transcription, it's necessary to gain access to the DNA, so the double helical nature of DNA can be denatured by conditions that disrupt hydrogen bonding and base pairing, resulting in the melting of the double strand. Um, so none of the covalent links between the nucleotides in the backbone of the DNA will break during this process. And heat, alkaline pH, and chemicals like formaldehyde and urea are commonly used to denature DNA. And denatured single-stranded DNA can be re-annealed if the denaturing condition is fully removed. Uh, and such annealing of complementary DNA strands is also important in many lab processes like PCR, uh, polymerase chain reactions, and in the detection of specific DNA sequences. So a well-characterized probe DNA or DNA with, with known sequence is added to a mixture of target DNA sequences. When probe DNA binds to target DNA sequences, this may provide evidence of the presence of a gene of interest, and this binding process is called hybridization and is described further, and we'll get into it later. So, uh, the DNA that makes up a chromosome is wound around a group of small basic proteins called histones, forming chromatin. There's five histone proteins found in eukaryotic cells. Two copies each of the histone proteins H2A, H2B, H3, and H4 form a histone core, and about 200 base pairs of DNA are wrapped around this protein complex, forming a nucleosome. Uh, under an electron microscope, the nucleosome looks like beads on a string. The last histone, H1, seals off the DNA as it enters and leaves the nucleosome, adding stability to the structure, and together they create um, DNA. So histones are one example of nucleoproteins, which are proteins that associate with DNA. Um, other ones are acid-soluble and tend to stimulate processes such as transcription. So uh, a small percentage of the chromatin will remain compacted during interphase and is referred to as heterochromatin. It appears dark under light microscopy and it's transcriptionally silent. It often consists of DNA with highly repetitive sequences, and in contrast, the dispersed chromatin is called euchromatin, which appears light. It contains genetically active DNA, and they can both be seen in a nucleus. Um, in an interphase nucleus. And DNA replication cannot extend all the way to the end of a chromosome, so this will result in losing sequences and information with each round of replication. And the solution is a simple repeating unit, TTAGGG, which is a telomere or telomere. Some of the sequence is lost in each round of replication and can be replaced by the enzyme telomerase, and it's more highly expressed in rapidly dividing cells. And they also help with. Um, aging, so they serve a second function. They can also have high GC content, which creates exceptionally strong strand attractions at the end of the chromosomes to prevent unraveling, so they nod off the end of the chromosome. Centromeres are the region of DNA found in the center of chromosomes. They're often referred to as sites of constriction because they form noticeable indentations. This is composed of heterochromatin, which is in turn composed of tandem repeat sequences that also contain high GC content. And during cell division, the two sister chromatids can therefore remain connected at the centromere until microtubules separate the chromatids during anaphase. Then we'll talk about DNA replication. So uh, 
The human genome has about 3 billion base pairs packed into multiple chromosomes. The reposome or replication complex is a set of specialized proteins that assist the DNA polymerases. To begin, the DNA will unwind at points called origins of replication. Generation of new DNA proceeds in both directions, creating replication forks on both sides of the origin. The bacterial chromosome is a closed double-stranded circular DNA molecule with a single origin of replication, so there's two replication forks that move away from each other in opposite directions of the circle, and the two replication forks eventually will meet, resulting in the production of two identical circular molecules of DNA. But eukaryotic replication has to copy a lot more bases compared to prokaryotes, and it's slower. Uh, so each eukaryotic chromosome contains one linear molecule of double-stranded DNA having multiple origins of, rep of replication. As the replication forks move forward, toward each other and sister chromatids are created, the chromatids will remain connected at the centromere. Helicase is the enzyme responsible for unwinding the DNA, generating two single-stranded template strands ahead of the polymerase. Once opened, the unpaired strands of DNA are very sticky in a molecular sense. The free purines and pyrimidines seek out the other molecules with which hydrogen to bond. Um, proteins are therefore required to hold the strands apart, so single-stranded DNA binding proteins will bind to the unraveled strand, preventing both the reassociation of DNA strands and the degradation of DNA by nucleases. As the helicase unwinds DNA, it will cause positive supercoiling that strains the DNA helix. Supercoiling is a wrapping of DNA on itself as the helical structure is pushed toward the telomeres during replication. To alleviate this torsional stress and reduce the risk of strand breakage, DNA topoisomerases introduce negative supercoils. They work ahead of helicase, nicking one or both strands, and they allow the relaxation of the torsional pressure, resealing the cut strands afterwards. During replication, these parental strands will serve as templates for the generation of new daughter strands, which is termed semi-conservative because one parental strand is retained in each of the two resulting identical double-stranded DNA molecules. DNA polymerases are responsible for reading the DNA template or parental strand and synthesizing the new daughter strand. The DNA polymerase can read the template strand in a 3 to 5 prime direction while synthesizing the complementary strand um, in the 5 prime to 3 prime direction, which will result in a new double helix of DNA that has the required anti-parallel orientation. Due to this directionality of the DNA polymerase, certain constraints arise, so at each replication fork, one strand is oriented in the correct direction for DNA polymerase and the other is anti-parallel. The leading strand in each replication fork is a strand that is copied in a continuous fashion in the same direction as the advancing replication fork. This parental strand will be read 3 to 5 prime, and its complement will be synthesized in a 5 to 3 prime manner. The lagging strand is copied in the direction opposite direction of the replication fork, so the parental strand has 5 prime to 3 prime polarity. DNA polymerase cannot simply read and synthesize on this strand, so um, small strands called Okazaki fragments are produced. As the replication fork continues to move forward, it will clear additional space that DNA polymerase must fill in. Each time DNA polymerase completes an Okazaki fragment, it turns around to find another gap that needs to be filled in. The process of DNA replication. So the first step is um, to actually lay down an RNA primer. DNA can't be synthesized de novo, so it needs another molecule to hook onto. RNA can be directly paired with the parent strand, so primase synthesizes a short primer, about 10 nucleotides in the 5 to 3 prime direction to start replication on each strand. These short RNA sequences are constantly being added to the lagging strand because each Okazaki fragment must start with a new primer. In contrast, the leading strand requires only one um, DNA polymerase 3 in prokaryotes or DNA polymerases alpha, delta, and epsilon will then begin synthesizing the daughter strands of DNA in the 5 to 3 prime manner. The incoming nucleotides are 5' deoxyribonucleotide triphosphates, so DATP, DCTP, DGTP, and DTTP. As a new phosphodiester bond is made, a free pyrophosphate is released. The RNA must eventually be removed to maintain sanctity of the genome, so this is accomplished by the enzyme DNA polymerase 1 or in prokaryotes or RNase H in eukaryotes. Then, DNA polymerase 1 in prokaryotes or DNA polymerase delta in eukaryotes adds DNA nucleotides where the RNA primer had been, and DNA ligase will seal the end of DNA molecules together, creating one continuous strand of DNA. 
So while the prokaryotic DNA synthesis has been worked out, eukaryotic synthesis is considered to be very similar. There's some differences. There's five classic DNA polymerases in eukaryotic cells, which are, de which are designated with alpha, beta, gamma, delta, and epsilon. Further research has revealed more polymerases named something through micron, um, but these are outside of the scope. So here are some differences. DNA polymerases alpha, delta, and epsilon work together to synthesize both the leading and lagging strands. DNA polymerase delta also fills in the gaps left behind when RNA primers are removed. DNA polymerase gamma will replicate mitochondrial DNA. DNA polymerase beta and epsilon are important to the process of DNA repair. DNA polymerases delta and epsilon are assisted by the PCNA protein, which assembles into a trimer to form the sliding clamp, which helps to strengthen the interaction between these DNA polymerases and the template strand. So, uh, while DNA polymerase does an excellent job of synthesizing synthesizing DNA, it doesn't complete synthesis at the far end of the strand. So each time DNA synthesis is carried out, the chromosome becomes a little shorter. And to lengthen the time that cells can replicate and synthesize DNA before necessary genes are damaged, chromosomes contain telomeres. They're located at the very tips of the chromosome and consist of repetitive sequences with a high GC content. And this means that telomeres can be slightly degraded between replication cycles without loss of function. And now we'll talk about DNA repair. Uh, whoosh, we got a lot more to go. Whoosh. Might have to split this one up. Yeah, okay. So, cancer cells proliferate excessively because they are able to divide without stimulation from other cells and they are no longer subject to the normal controls on cell prol proliferation. Uh, they are able to migrate by local invasion or metastasis, which is a migration to distant tissues by the bloodstream or lymphatic system. Over time, they tend to accumulate mutations, and mutated genes that cause cancer are termed oncogenes. They primarily encode cell cycle-related proteins. Before these are mutated, they are often referred to as proto-oncogenes. The first gene in this category to be discovered was SRC, named after sarcoma, which is a category of connective tissue to cancers. The abnormal alleles encode proteins that are more active than normal proteins, promoting rapid cell cycle advancement, so a mutation in only one copy is sufficient to promote tumor growth and is therefore considered dominant. Tumor suppressor genes like P53, P53 or RB, retinoblastoma, encode proteins that inhibit the cell cycle or participate in DNA repair processes. They normally function to stop tumor progression and are sometimes called anti-oncogenes. Mutations of these genes result in the loss of tumor suppression activity and therefore promote cancer. Inactivation of both alleles is necessary for the loss of function because in most cases, even one copy of the normal protein can function to inhibit tumor formation. In this example, multiple mutations or hits are required. DNA polymerase moves along a single strand of DNA, building the complementary strand as it goes. While DNA polymerase is almost 100% accurate, it does occasionally make errors, so there's proofreading. Uh, when the complementary strands have incorrectly paired bases, the hydrogen bonds between the strands can be unstable, and this lack of stability is detected as the DNA passes through this part of the polymerase. Uh, the incorrect base is excised and can be replaced with the correct one. Uh, if both the parent and daughter strands are simply DNA, it will look at the level of methylation, so the template strand has existed in the cell for a longer period of time and therefore is more heavily methylated. It also plays a role in transcriptional activation of DNA, so the system is efficient, it corrects most of the errors put into the sequence during replication, and DNA ligase lacks proofreading ability, so the likelihood of mutation in the lagging strand is considerably higher than in the leading strand. Cells also have machinery in the G2 phase of the cell cycle for mismatch repair. These enzymes are encoded by genes MSH2 and MLH1, which detect and remove errors introduced in replication that were missed during the S phase of the cell cycle. And these enzymes are homologous, uh, homologs of mute S and mute L in prokaryotes, which serve a similar function. Uh, then there is nucleotide excision repair. So uh, the formation of thymine dimers is induced by UV light. Uh, 
It interferes with DNA replication and normal gene expression and distorts the shape of the double helix. They are eliminated from DNA by a nucleotide excision repair mechanism, which is a cut and pat process. First, specific proteins scan the DNA molecule and recognize the lesion because of a bulge in the strand. An excision endonuclease will make nicks in the phosphodiester backbone of the damaged strand on both sides of the thymine dimer and releases the defective oligonucleotide. DNA polymerase can then fill in the gap by synthesizing DNA in the 5 to 3 prime direction using the undamaged strand as a template. And finally, the nick in the strand is sealed by DNA ligase. Alterations to bases can occur with other cellular insults. So, uh, this is like a loss of amino group from cytosine and results in conversion of cytosine to uracil. Uracil should not be found in DNA and is easily detected as an error. Uh, however, detection systems exist for small non-helix disordering mutations in other bases as well, so these are repaired by base excision repair. First, the affected base is recognized and removed by a glycosylase enzyme, leaving behind an apyrinic or apyrimidinic AP site, which is also called an apasic site. The AP site is recognized by an AP endonuclease that removes the damaged sequence from the DNA, and DNA polymerase and DNA ligase can then fill in the gap and seal the strand. And finally, we'll talk about recombinant DNA and biotechnology, um, which is our lengthy last portion of this chapter. So recombinant DNA technology allows a DNA fragment from any source to be multiplied by any by either gene cloning or PCR. This provides a means of analyzing and altering genes and proteins. It provides the regions, regions necessary for genetic testing. Uh, and so DNA cloning is a technique that can produce large amounts of a desired sequence. Uh, DNA to be cloned is present in a small quantity and it's part of a heterogeneous mixture containing other DNA sequences and the goal is to produce a large quantity of homogeneous DNA for other applications. Cloning requires that the investigator ligate the DNA of interest into a piece of nucleic acid referred to as a vector forming a recombinant vector. They're usually bacterial or viral plasmids that can be transferred to a host bacterium after insertion of the DNA of interest. The bacteria are then cloned into colonies and a colony containing the recombinant vector is isolated, which can be accomplished by ensuring that the recombinant vector also includes a gene for antibiotic resistance which can then kill off all the colonies that do not contain the recombinant vector. The resulting colony can then be grown in large quantities, and depending on the investigator's goal, the bacteria can then be made to express the gene of interest, generating large quantities of recombinant protein, or can be lysed to re-isolate replicated recombinant vectors, which can be processed by restriction enzymes to release the cloned DNA from the vector. Restriction enzymes or restriction endonucleases are re enzymes that recognize specific double-stranded DNA sequences. These sequences are palindromic, meaning that the 5'-3' sequence of one strand is identical to the 5'-3' sequence of the other strand in anti-parallel orientation. Restriction enzymes are isolated from bacteria, which are their natural source, and... Uh... Yeah... DNA vectors contain at least one sequence, if not many, recognized by restriction enzymes, and a vector also requires an origin of replication and at least one gene for antibiotic resistance to allow for selection of colonies with recombinant plasmids. Uh, DNA cloning can be used to produce DNA libraries, which are large collections of known DNA sequences, which could equate to the genome of an organism. To make a DNA library, DNA fragments are often digested randomly, and they're cloned into vectors and can be utilized for further studies, and they can consist of either genomic cDNA or DNA. Uh, genomic libraries contain large fragments of DNA and include both coding, exon, and non-coding intron regions of the genome. Seen DNA uh, or complementary DNA libraries are constructed by reverse transcribing process mRNA, so it lacks non-coding regions, such as introns, and only includes the genes that are expressed in the tissue from which the mRNA was isolated. And for that reason, these libraries are sometimes called expression libraries. Uh, so only cDNA libraries can be made can be used to reliably sequence specific genes and identify disease-causing mutations, produce recombinant proteins, or produce transgenic uh, animals. And then there's hybridization. It's the joining of complementary base pair sequences, which can be DNA-DNA recognition or DNA-RNA recognition. 
And this uses two single-stranded sequences and is a vital part of PCR and Southern plotting. PCR is an automated process that can produce millions of copies of a DNA sequence without amplifying the DNA in bacteria. It's used to identify criminal suspects, familial relationships, and disease-causing bacteria and viruses. Knowing the sequences that flank the desired region of a DNA allows for the amplification of the sequence in between. A PCR reaction requires, requires primers that are complementary to the DNA that flanks the region of interest, nucleotides, and DNA polymerase. The primer has high GC content, 40 to 60 percent, and the additional uh, hydrogen bonds between TNT uh, confer stability. The reaction needs heat to cause the DNA double helix to melt apart and denature. And the DNA polymerase found in the human body is not going to work at high enough temperature, so there's tact polymerase. And uh, this process is repeated several times, so the DNA of interest is denatured, replicated, and then cooled to allow, to allow reannealing of the daughter strands with the parent strands, and then until enough copies of DNA sequence are available for further testing. Gel electrophoresis is a technique used to separate macromolecules such as DNA and proteins by size and charge. Um, all molecules of DNA are negatively charged because of the phosphate groups in the backbone of the molecule, so they will migrate toward the anode of an, of an electrochemical cell. And the preferred gel for DNA electrophoresis is an agarose gel. And the longer the DNA strand, the slower it will migrate. It is often used when performing southern blot, which is used to detect the presence and quantity of various DNA strands in a sample. DNA is cut by restriction enzymes and then separated by gel electrophoresis. The DNA fragments are then carefully transferred to a membrane, retaining their separation. The membrane is then probed with many copies of a single strand of DNA sequence, and the probe will bind to its complementary sequence and form double stranded DNA. Probes are labeled with radioisotopes or indicator proteins, both of which can be used to indicate the presence of a desired sequence. DNA sequencing has revolutionized the world that we live in, so uh, a basic sequencing reaction contains the main players for multiplication, including template DNA, primers, appropriate DNA polymerase, and all four deoxyribonucleic nucleotide triphosphates. And then there's a modified base called deoxyribonucleotide that is added in lower concentrations. And they contain a hydrogen that's C3 prime rather than a hydroxyl group. So once one of these modified bases has been incorporated, the polymerase can no longer add to the chain. And eventually the sample will contain many fragments, and each one of which will terminate with one of the modified bases. These fragments are then separated by size using gel electrophoresis. And the last base for each fragment can be read. And because gel electrophoresis separates the strands by size, the bases can easily be read in order. In addition to its utility as a research tool, uh, DNA biotechnology has led to a number of therapeutic breakthroughs. So gene therapy, there's potential cure cures for individuals with inherited diseases. Uh, it's intended for diseases in which a given gene is mutated or inactive, giving rise to pathology. And by transferring a normal copy of the gene into the affected tissues, the pathology should be fixed, essentially curing the individual. Uh, and for this to be realistic, there has to be efficient gene delivery vectors to transfer the clone gene into the target cell's DNA, and because viruses naturally infect cells to insert their own genetic material, most gene delivery viruses or vectors in use are modified viruses, and a portion of the viral genome is replaced with the clone gene such that the virus can infect but not complete its replication cycle. And randomly integrated DNA poses a, a risk of integrating near and activating a host oncogenes, and so a small number have been developing like leukemias. And then finally, we'll talk about transgenic and knockout mice. So once DNA has been isolated, it can be introduced into eukaryotic cells. Transgenic mice are altered at their germline by introducing a clone gene into fertilized ova or into embryonic stem cells. The clone gene that is introduced is referred to as a transgene. If it's disease-producing, the transgenic mice can be used to study the disease process from early embryonic development through adulthood. And then you can also use this approach to produce knockout mice where a gene has been intentionally deleted, and these provide valuable models in which to study human diseases. And there's different approaches to developing transgenic mice. A clone gene might be microinjected into the nucleus of a newly fertilized ovum. Rarely, the gene might subsequently incorporate into the nuclear DNA of the zygote, and the ovum is implanted into a surrogate mother, and if successful, the resulting offspring will contain the transgene in all their cells, including their germline cells or gametes. 
Consequently, the transgene will also be passed to their offspring, so the transgene coexists in the animals with their own copies of the gene, which have not been deleted. And this approach is useful for studying dominant gene effects, but it's less useful for recessive disease because the number of copies of the gene that insert into the genome cannot be controlled, and they may each contain a different number of copies of the transgene. Embryonic stem cell lines can also be useful for developing transgenic mice. So advantages of using these are that the clone genes can be introduced in cultures and that one can select for cells with the transgene successfully inserted. The altered stem cells are injected into developing blastocysts and implanted into surrogate mothers. And the blastocyst itself is composed of two types of stem cells. So one's containing the transgene and the other is the original blastocyst cells that lack the transgene. The resulting offspring is chimera, meaning that it has patches of cells, including germ cells, derived from each of the two lineages. And this is evidence if the two cell lineages, transgenic cells, and host blastocysts come from mice with different coat colors. And then finally, safety and ethics. The different procedures and techniques, um, it's important to acknowledge the potential risks associated with them. So increased resistance in viruses and bacteria can impact both human and the environment in which we live. Uh, so yeah, just think about it. And now we'll get into our concept summary. So deoxyribonucleic acid is a, is a macromolecule that stores genetic information in all living organisms. Nucleosides have a five carbon sugar bonded to a nitrogenous base. Nucleotides are nucleosides with one to three phosphate groups added. Nucleotides in DNA contain deoxyribose. In RNA, they are ribose. Nucleotides have the letter adenine A, cytosine C, guanine G, thymine T, and uracil U. DNA is, is organized according to the Watson-Crick model. So backbone is composed of alternating sugar and phosphate groups and is red 5 prime to 2 prime. There are two strands with anti-parallel polarity, which are wound into a double helix. Purines A and G always pair with pyrimidines C, U, and T. In DNA, A with T via two hydrogen bonds and C with G via three. RNA doesn't have thymine, but has uracil instead, so A pairs with U via two hydrogen bonds. Purines and pyrimidines are biological aromatic heterocycles, so aromatic compounds are cyclic, planar, and conjugated, and contain 4n plus 2 pi electrons, where n is any integer, which is Huckel's rule. Heterocycles are ring structures that contain at least two different elements in the ring. Chargoff's rules state that purines and pyrimidines are equal in number in the DNA molecule and that because of base pairing, the amount of adenine equals the amount of thymine and the amount of cytosine equals the amount of guanine. Most DNA is B-DNA, forming a right-handed helix. Low concentrations of Z-DNA with a zigzag shape may be seen with high GC content or high salt concentration. DNA strands can be pulled apart or denatured and brought back together or reannealed. Heat, alkaline pH, and chemicals like formaldehyde and urea can cause denaturation and removal of these will result in reannealing. DNA is organized into 46 chromosomes in human cells. In eukaryotes, DNA is wound around histone proteins, so H2A, H2B, H3, and H4, to form nucleosomes, which may be stabilized by another histone called H1. As a whole, DNA and its associated histones make up chromatin in the nucleus. Heterochromatin is dense, transcriptionally silent DNA that appears dark under light microscopy, and euchromatin is less dense, transcriptionally active DNA that appears light under light microscopy. Telomeres are the end of chromosomes. They have high GC content to prevent unraveling of the DNA. During, during replication, telomeres are slightly shortened, although this can be partially reversed by the enzyme telomerase. And centromeres are located in the middle of the chromosomes and hold sister chromatids together until they are separated during anaphase and mitosis, and they're also going to contain high GC content to maintain a strong bond between chromatids. The replosome or replication complex is a set of specialized proteins that assist the DNA polymerases. To replicate DNA, it's first unwound at an origin of replication by helicases, which produces two replication forks on either side of the origin. Prokaryotes have a circular chromosome that contains only one origin of replication, and eukaryotes have linear chromosomes that have many origins of replication. Unwound strands are kept from reannealing or being degraded by single-stranded DNA binding proteins. Supercoiling causes torsional strain on the DNA molecule, which can be released by DNA topoisomerases, which creates NICs in the DNA molecule. DNA replication is semi-conservative. One old parent strand and one new daughter strand is incorporated into the, each of the new two DNA molecules, and DNA cannot be synthesized without an adjacent nucleotide to hook onto, so a small RNA primer is put down by primase.
DNA polymerase 2, or 3, sorry, uh, in prokaryotes, and DNA polymerases alpha, delta, and epsilon, or, and eukaryotes can then synthesize a new strand of DNA. They read the template DNA from 3' prime to 5' prime and synthesize it from 5' prime to 3'. Prime. The leading strand requires only one primer and can then be synthesized continuously in its entirety, and the lagging strand requires many primers and is synthesized in discrete sections called Okazaki fragments. RNA primers can later be removed by DNA polymerase 1 in prokaryotes and RNAs H in eukaryotes and filled in with DNA by polymerase DNA polymerase 1 in prokaryotes or DNA polymerase delta in eukaryotes. DNA ligase can then fuse DNA strands together to create one complete molecule. Oncogenes develop from mutations of proto-oncogenes and promote cell cycling. They may lead to cancer, which is defined by untext cell proliferation with the ability to spread by local invasion or metastasize and migrate to distant sites via the bloodstream or lymphatic system. Tumor suppressor genes code for proteins that reduce cell cycling or promote DNA repair. Mutations of tumor suppressor genes can also lead to cancer. During replication, DNA polymerase proofreads its work and excises incorrectly matched bases. The daughter strand is identified by its lack of methylation and corrected accordingly. Mismatch repair can also occur during the D2 phase of the cell cycle using the genes MSH2 and MLH1. Nucleotide excision repair fixes helix deforming mutations of DNA, such as thymine dimers, via a cut and patch process that requires an excision endonuclease. And base excision repair fixes non deforming lesions of the DNA helix, such as cytosine deamination, by removing the base. By removing the base, leaving an apyrinic or apyrimidinic AP site, an AP endonucleus then removes the damaged sequence, which can be filled in with the correct bases. And then we have recombinant DNA, which is DNA compo composed of nucleotides from two different sources. DNA cloning introduces a fragment of DNA into a vector plasmid. A restriction enzyme or restriction endonucleus cuts both the plasmid and the fragment, which are left with sticky ends. Once the fragment binds to the plasmid, it can be introduced into a bacterial cell and permitted to replicate, generating many copies of the fragment of interest. Vectors contain an origin of replication, the fragment of interest, and at least one gene for antibiotic resistance to permit for selection of that colony after replication. Once replicated, the bacterial cells can be used to create a protein of interest or can be lysed to allow for isolation of the fragment of interest from the vector. DNA libraries are large collections of known DNA sequences. Genomic libraries contain large fragments of DNA, including both coding and non-coding regions of the genome. They cannot be used to make recombinant proteins or for gene therapy. cDNA libraries or expression libraries contain smaller fragments of DNA and only include the exons of genes expressed by the sample tissue. They can be used to make recombinant proteins or for gene therapy. Hybridization is the joining of complementary based pair sequences. Uh, polymerase chain reaction is an automated process by which millions of copies of DNA sequence can be created from a very small sample of hybridization. Via hybridization, and DNA molecules can be separated by size using agarose electrophoresis, and southern plotting can be used to, to detect the presence and quantity of various DNA strands in a sample. After electrophoresis, the sample is transferred to a membrane that can be probed with single-stranded DNA molecules to look for a sequence of interest. DNA sequencing uses dideoxyribonucleotides, which terminate the DNA chain because they lack a 3'OH group, and the resulting fragments can be separated by gel electrophoresis, and the sequence can be read directly from the gel. Gene therapy is a method of curing genetic deficiencies by introducing a functional gene with a viral vector. Transgenic mice are created by integrating a gene of interest into, into the germline or embryonic stem cells of a developing mouse, and organisms that contain cells from two different lineages, such as mice formed by integration of transgenic embryonic cells, stem cells into a normal mouse blastocyst, are called chimeras, and transgenic mice can be mated to select for the transgene. Knockout mice are created by deleting a gene of interest, and biotechnology brings up a number of safety and ethical issues, including pathogen resistance and the ethics of choosing individuals for specific traits. I apologize again for how fast I'm trying to read that. I know I stumble over my words constantly, but uh, that was a long, long chapter, and I think the next ones will probably be, will probably be equally as long. So I'll catch you when we talk about the genetic code.